Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, October 8th, 2021. No doubt you have heard somebody referred to as quick-witted. What does that mean? Well, it means they're they're sharp, right? They're even in conversation. They're coming up with things to say, smart things to say, or funny things to say, and they're doing it quickly. Even sometimes quick can be used by itself to refer to somebody who's pretty smart, right? They're they're quick. And what we're saying with that is they're quick-minded, Their mind is able to understand something, to uh, evaluate something, and even then to assess something or respond to something quickly. Well, today uh, we're going to see Jesus uh, talk about this in a way that is going to catch us a little differently because he's not talking about being quick-witted. Even think about the reverse of that. Sometimes if somebody's not very smart, you might call them instead of quick, you might call them slow. And what you mean there is just that their mind seems to be moving slowly, right? And just things don't seem to be connecting or clicking, right? Uh, Right now, my daughter, I'd say she's in general pretty quick, but she doesn't seem to quite be wrapping her mind around the multiplication table, right? And so she's a little slow putting all those dots together. And so we often think about quick and slow in matters of the mind. But today we're going to see Jesus apply that language of being slow to the heart. And it's something I think we should pay attention to today. Let's look at Luke 24, verses 24 through 35. And as we look at this, to refresh our memory, Jesus has come upon kind of, uh, not in disguise, but these people are unaware. There's two guys going away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, who on some level were interested in Christ at least, or probably on some level followers of Christ, and they're disappointed. And Jesus, even though they're unaware that it's Jesus, starts talking to them. And they're sharing about all that's happened, that they had hoped Jesus would be the the Messiah, uh, and that he's been killed, but that he, uh, there's reports that his body was missing, or even some are saying that they have seen him alive, but they don't seem to know what to make of it. But today in verse 25, Jesus responds, and look at what he says. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So I found that very interesting reading that passage today. That is, he calls them out. He doesn't say, oh, you're slow to understand. He doesn't say, oh, you're slow of mind. He says, you're slow of heart to believe. He really thinks that the Moses and the prophets are clear enough. There should be no excuse as far as their mental capabilities as to them not understanding that the Messiah was going to suffer and enter into his glory. What he points out as the problem is they're slow of heart to believe. And that's something I think... We see a lot in the Gospels, 
especially teaching through the Gospel of John for the last couple years now, you, you see that a lot where it's really a willful unbelief that Jesus is going up against, where people understand what Jesus is saying. They just don't want to believe what he is saying. The problem doesn't seem to be in their minds. The problem is in their hearts, right? And so just as we think about that for ourselves, uh, we should see how that applies just to situations we might experience in many, uh, many different ways. But before we move on to those ways, just again, consider the power of Jesus's words there. He rebukes them, not for a failure to understand, but for a failure to believe, right? That is an amazing thing. And I think now as we get into the implications of that, we should think through how that should affect our um, our tactics even in how we share the gospel with others. So many times I think that we think evangelism is all about a battle of the mind. And for sure, there are things that people need to understand about the gospel. And that is a battle we will have to fight. We want to help people understand what the gospel really is, what the Bible is saying, uh, and that's an important thing. However, we also need to realize it's not only a battle of the mind, and we need to acknowledge that while there are some in this world that have never heard the gospel, so they don't understand it, we need to also understand that every single person is facing a battle of the heart. And there are a lot of people who they they understand the good news of the gospel, but the problem is their heart. They're not slow to understand. They are slow of heart to believe. And so we need to make sure even in our evangelism, we are addressing things to their heart. And also I'd say along with that, to their conscience, to to show them that, that it's not just a failure to understand, it's an unwillingness to believe and to follow Christ. That's an important thing. But also we need to take this microscope and turn it on ourselves as we read this passage as well. How many things are there in our own lives that if Jesus was walking on the road with us, he would not say, oh, God, you don't get it. You don't understand. Let me explain it to you so you can understand it with your mind. He would really say to us, no, you're slow of heart to believe. Let, let me show you what the Bible clearly says. The problem isn't that you don't understand it. The problem is you don't trust it. You're not going to believe it. We need to prayerfully consider that for ourselves. And even as you spend time praying, and I always would encourage you, uh, let what you read in scripture be at least a part of your prayer time every day. That's a way to keep our prayers fresh, but also a way to make sure we're responding to God through prayer. I uh, make that a part of your prayers today, but then I want to give a little case study in that. Um, as we look at some of our other passages, let's go first to Psalm 118, where today we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And it starts with this grand call, this rousing chorus with the refrain, His steadfast love endures forever. That, that whole first verse you see in many different Psalms, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. I remember spending a semester in Israel in college and literally right off the plane, right on the bus, we were taught that in Hebrew and taught to sing that. And we would sing it repeatedly throughout the time 
that we were there. In Hebrew, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And then it says, let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. I picture that, you know, picture a stadium, you know, where the mascot or the cheerleaders or whoever, you know, points to one side of the stadium to say something and then to the other side and then to one of the corners, right? And everyone's responding with this refrain, his steadfast love endures forever. And then in verses five through seven, it says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. And one thing I'm convinced the scripture clearly teaches is that Christians should live life with a confidence that is not based on self, but a confidence that is based on God and is the opposite of fear and anxiety. Repeatedly throughout scripture, we are told, do not be afraid, do not be anxious. And that, and really responding to these verses in Psalm 118, I think for most of us, if we're being honest, the problem is not a failure to understand. It is not that we are slow in our mind to comprehend what the Bible is teaching. It seems pretty clear. God is in control. We can trust him. We don't need to be afraid. He will take care of us, right? That, that, that's simple. I, I'm trying to teach that to my children, right? Children can understand that. But the problem for many of us is we're slow of heart to believe that. And instead of responding to what the Bible clearly teaches by trusting God, not being afraid, but being confident and prayerful, um, we tend to be anxious. We tend to worry. We tend to be afraid. And that really, I think, is a slowness of heart to believe. But we need to seek with the help of the Spirit to move past that and to take God at His word and to believe. And we have a whole chapter of examples of that in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to finish this amazing chapter uh, today, going all the way to verse 40 there in Hebrews chapter 11. And just as we see, starting in verse 32, he kind of says, I'm running out of time here. I've talked about a bunch of Old Testament characters, and there's a lot more I could talk about. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then he goes on to list all the amazing things that they've done who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. You know, this amazing list, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Even talks about putting foreign armies to flight and the dead being raised. And then it goes on to say, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. And basically talks about all the ways they suffered. And that's easy for us to read and think, you know, that first half of all the amazing things they did. I like that. That sounds good. I'd like to do that. And then the second half of all the ways that they suffered, uh, you know, that's, that's intense that they had to go through that. But I'd like to have list one without list two. What we need to realize uh, that if God's going to use us and many of the men of faith who have done great things, the men and women of faith that have been used in mighty ways to serve God, they have experienced 
great suffering along with that, sometimes persecution or sometimes just hardships in the journey. And we need to be ready to embrace one along with the other. And what's going to help us do that? Well, embracing that confident attitude in God that we saw in Psalm 118 and not being slow of heart to believe that. Let's wrap up our time with Isaiah 61 through 64. And as we look at uh, these passages, we start with a passage that Jesus applied to himself. At the beginning of Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And he goes on to describe, but I love those images again of just what the gospel is and what Jesus has done. Good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison doors. That's what God has done. And also we see again, I think a sense of this um, encouraging element of the wrath of God. Even there you see the year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance, they go together, right? God having favor on his people and judging his enemies, they go together. And it's always easy for us. We want that right now. We want the day of our Lord's favor. We want God's people to be lifted up and all of his enemies to be judged. And we want it now. It's a good thing to be reminded of what it says in Isaiah 64 verse 8, where it says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And may we acknowledge that truth as well, that as we long for the day when righteousness will reign and all of God's enemies will be judged, we can wait patiently and accept the will of God and his plan in the meantime. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to worry. We can trust God. But to do that, we're going to be more than just quick. We're going to need to be more than just quick-witted. We're going to need to be quick-hearted to believe everything that God has told us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.